Welcome everyone to the Crazy Canuck Trucking Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Bridget. I'm the Size Matters Dakotan. My happy co-host is the Crazy Canuck Dave. Hey Bridget. Hey everybody. Good to see y'all and talk to y'all again. It is fabulous to have a chance to visit with everybody. Thank you as always for listening, for following along behind us. And by all means, make sure that if you want to send us any questions or comments, you do so at crazycanooktruckin.com. We'd love to hear from you and have you follow us on all social media platforms, including YouTube at Crazy Canook Truckin. So today I wanted to introduce Dave to kick off our discussion before I get into our tent code, because I think they're going to tie in together pretty well. So what are we going to talk about today, Dave? Well, we, uh, we've decided to do something a little bit different today, and we're not going to have um, a regular guest. What we are going to do is talk about road conditions and talk about the um, things that I see on the highway and what you see when you're out scouting crops and how that affects us and the stress that it puts us all under. And uh, VIP is going to be more than just social media today. She's going to chime in once in a while. And her little boy, of course, is going to chime in, which is totally fine. So what do you have for a 10 code then, Size Matters? So I wanted to use 1022. And the reason is, is that's a report in person. Because I think that there are some things that we all need to keep in mind. And from time to time, it might not just be that we want to talk to someone over the phone. There are going to be times, I think, where we have to remember to maybe see someone in person. Or when we do see them in person, recognize some of the signs of stress that might be going on in their lives. So speaking of stress and seeing the signs, what are you seeing out on the highway these days? Let's compare notes. Well, as far as um, people that I see, there's a lot of people that are hurting right now. A lot of people that are feeling stress. Um, there's places that I go to where they're short staffed because people aren't really too interested in coming back to work when they get, can get paid by the government. So they're working hard. Other people that are customers are upset because they want their stuff now. And uh, I've seen a lot of fires and a lot of places burning up right now. And that, I mean, there's a perfect storm without any rain, you know, with all of this stuff that's going on right now. So you said something about shortages and supplies. So Victoria, as a consumer, are you noticing things on the shelves? What are you seeing when it comes to folks not going back to work or interruptions in the supply chain? I feel like a lot of the cleaning supplies and toilet papers and stuff are not getting there or being taken really fast again. I also see as far as people and their jobs, especially down here in Missouri, I'm sure the whole world is like this, but it, staffing is a really tough issue right now. And here in the Missouri, there's a, I think it's a 20% rate of houses that are being bought or rentals 20 percent of them are from people that are out of state coming flooding into Missouri because we're one of the cheapest markets and right now our minimum wage is being raised 
where it was when before I got out to work with him a year ago, it was like maybe nine or ten dollars. Now it's to where it's fourteen to fifteen dollars, and people that are paying less are doing signing bonuses just to get people to even start. So Bridget, uh, size matters. What are you seeing? You're, you're running around a lot of North Dakota, probably some South Dakota, Minnesota. What, what's the feeling you get of the general public out there right now? So I think right now I'm, I'm going to take this from the stance of the agricultural world. And we know that where I'm at in the Dakotas, Minnesota, Montana, we're under a lot of drought conditions. I think that extends even further to the West. Then once you get into the West in Idaho and so forth, now we're running into wildfires and that's burning up pasture as well as cropland, et cetera. So the, there's parts of the country that are at record flooding conditions. So we have extremes and they're very close together. Now, early on this season, I saw the worry lines and the concern and a lot of farmers as they planted a crop and then it didn't rain and it wasn't growing. And they were very worked up. Do I continue to put money into this crop or do I let it go? What, you know, what should I be doing? And some just finally made the decision that there's only so much that they could do and they would try to maintain best practices, whether that was with fertilizer or weed control, but they could not control what mother nature did. Overall, we've started to get a little bit more rain. It's not perfect. We still have some incredible, incredible variability in yield that's out there and we're not done yet. Soybeans and corn harvest is coming. And I think that we're going to see some real struggles on yield in certain states right now, certain geographies. Now, that's the crop side of it. Let me talk about a cattle producer. And those are the people that I am most concerned about today because they don't have a fallback position with federal crop insurance here in the U.S. like you do with, um, like like you do when you're raising a corn or soybean or wheat. So livestock producers are very, very much in a tough spot right now. They saw their pastures dry up early. Here in North Dakota, we've lost well over 50% of our cow-calf pair herd has been sold off, moved to other states. Wow. So. I saw entire herd liquidations happening this spring. These are long time commercial herds, right down to the folks that just had a few that they were raising on the side. Um, we've really hit a big change here. Now that the, now we're taking them off pasture, what are we gonna feed them this winter? Because if we have a heavy snowfall and you can't winter graze, you didn't get hay either. Hay can be donated from other states, and it certainly has been, and we appreciate that tremendously. But when hay crop comes in from other states, so do new weed problems that's carried on the hay that you weren't prepared for. And occasionally, some kind of wildlife. I've had instances where hay moved up here and brought some snakes or something else with. So all of those factors really compound what's going on in the, on the farm today if you're a crop producer versus a livestock producer. So maybe that puts a little perspective on what's happening at the farm level right now. I have a, I have a relative that's um, running a feedlot in Ontario. And in Ontario, there's basically one place to get rid of your cattle. 
uh, when they're ready to be slaughtered. And he's had some of the best performance ever with his beef cattle uh, as far as how it dresses out and all the, you know, feed conversion, everything that they can consider. Mm -hmm. And he has still shipped many loads that were incredibly good that cost him money to ship. And it, it, that's, that's another thing, you know, where we're seeing record high prices for beef in a, in a market. And, uh, you know, and he's selling good animals and he's getting less money for them. And the processing plant is having record profits mm -hmm. and they're taking advantage of the situation. And that, I mean, he, he has a lot of, he has a lot of head of cattle and he's like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. You know, cause everyone he ships out is costing him money. And, and I understand I understand everyone is in business to make money. If not, it's just considered volunteerism. And we're yeah. all here to make money. But right now, there are some real discrepancies on what level that money is being made. So to the consumer, I would say, remember, it, let's use the case of a hog farmer. A year ago, they were concerned about whether or not they had to euthanize some hogs because there was such a backlog at the slaughter facilities because of COVID, because there were not enough people at work that could process and keep the, the uh, kill lines moving along. Well, now that hog farmer, it's back up to speed and they're able to ship hogs, but they feed a lot of corn and soybeans to those hogs. And those commodity prices are up. And so the input to that hog just got more expensive and now it'll be processed. And we as consumers are going to start to see some real increases. If you haven't noticed them already, there's some real increases that are coming at the grocery store. And that's just in the product we put in, we, we put on the shelf. Don't forget, we've been dealing with plastic and cardboard shortages since everybody went home and shipping to homes increased. Packaging materials are short. And that also leads to shortages and costs at the grocery store. And I'm not sure people realize that as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, you know, a friend of mine needs to redo some of the electrical stuff in her house. She can't find any breakers. She can buy a panel, electrical panel, panel for her house, but she can't find breakers, you know, and truck manufacturers, uh, we got lucky with our trucks. We got our trucks delivered in April, but, uh, and I drive a Peterbilt and right now Peterbilt is going back to the customers that have put a deposit down and said, um, it's going to cost you more money to get your truck. And we don't know when delivery date is going to be, but, and we understand if you don't like that and we will refund you your deposit 100% if you want to do something different, you know, but they're, everybody's in a bind right now. So we know what the issues are. There's, there's issues just about everywhere. Sure. What, what do we do about it? What, because we can't, we, a lot of this stuff is completely beyond our control. You know, some, for some reason, and I, I'm not sure why yet, but for some reason, they don't let us make all these decisions. I can't understand why that's the case because we're so good at it. <laughs> we're so, so organized. 
Well, you know, so you're right. Let's let's flip this around. Let's take this from the negative of what we're all talking about on, on a daily basis. These are the conversations that are have that are being had all over, whether it's on social media, live and in person at church, at the grocery store, anywhere. So let's flip that around to be the positive. What are the things that we can do differently to manage through this? Well, number one, we all have to have patience. This is truly an exercise in patience because when you go into a restaurant, which I, I did yesterday, I walked into a restaurant and wanted to order. There were 12 people in line. There were five people working behind the counter. And these guys were at a dead run, working up a sweat in an air-conditioned place. Could I tell that maybe tables needed to be wiped off or it was time to take the trash out? Yes. But there was no one extra to help do that. There was no point in me getting to the front of the line and being snotty with the manager who was very busy cooking at that moment. All I could simply do was take my time and understand that these delays affect everybody. So patience, I think, is probably number one. What would be, what's the next thing, David? VIP, what do you have, what kind of strategies do you use when you're trying to go out and get things for your baby or when you're out in public dealing with things? What do you, what do you find helps you in, uh, in these times? Well, I like, I don't know, I like to be prepared when I go to the store and I bring my own bags all the time. I never, I try to bring my own bags. And then if I have any other bags, I bring them back. As far as going out, that's about it that I can think of. That's good. Those are... Uh, I think but I think, you know, when you said about going to the store, you probably have a list. And I think we need to all remember that, okay, so it's not on the shelf this time. Might be next time. So just look for it. Plan ahead for those things. And I have my favorite dish soap. I have my favorite bathroom cleaner. But you know what? There's lots of other things that work too. So rather than pitching a fit, think about an alternative. And it's not so bad. As someone who cans, kids, I have had to pay very close attention to the alternative for jar lid these days. And I understand what that looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know we, uh, we grow some sweet corn and uh, we've had a lot of, well, we've had a terrible lack of water until just very recently. And um, grasshoppers, I mean, that's a, another thing that comes along with dry weather is grasshoppers and a dry year like we had last year means that you're going to have more grasshoppers the next year and that's what we're experiencing and you know I really try to look at things that we do and say what can I control and as long as I'm doing everything I can to control mm -hmm. what I have responsibility over I mean what what more can I do it it's frustrating. It's hard. It's not fun a lot of times, but um, we work hard, and uh, it was hard to see because the uh, the start of the corn crop was the best I've ever seen at my place. <laughs> you know? But um, I'm thankful for what I have got, and. 
I'm thankful that, you know, we are still able to work and still able to feed our family. And I think we need to remember those things much quicker that we have a lot to be thankful for. And when we're talking about, you know, the uh, different products we use and what other dish soap or whatever, you know, think back. I mean, VIP won't remember this, but size matters. And I go back a little bit further. And if you go back to our parents' generation, they didn't have the options that we have today. No. And so some of these older folks, they're like, eh, we never had that anyway. You know, like, uh, you know, people, people like to say first world problems today, you know, as an excuse for things. And sometimes we got to remember that, that, you know what, we are very spoiled in many ways. And we need to be thankful for the times that we do, for the things that we do have. And it doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> it's not easy. But uh, we have a lot that goes on. And uh, we're still somewhat free. When we look at alternatives, I think there's a lot of them. And one thing that's really become prominent in the last year is folks in a more urban area. Now, I live in North Dakota, and it's arguable whether or not we can consider ourselves urban. But there's no doubt that there's an increased emphasis in farmer's markets. If you are a beef or a hog producer, people are seeking you out to want to buy your product from you directly. Now, there's some rules that go along with that. You can't just buy a hog and haul them home to your three-story apart or three-floor apartment and, and butcher in the kitchen, right? Can't quite do that stuff. So know what those rules are and connect with those people. It just so happens in most states through your extension service, through your universities, they can help you connect with people who are those producers within your state and you can find those outlets. So there are other ways to do business. Um, I am probably the only woman on earth who will say this, but there's life outside of Target. I mean, what? here in the States, that's a huge deal, right? And I actually divorced Target about five or six years ago, haven't been in since, and I've survived. So it's okay Target. to look for alternatives. Target has left Canada. They, yeah, they, I they heard. They in a big way into Canada, and they were going to show everybody how, how it was done. And they are gone. Yep, major fail. So. I'm an Aldi's and Whole Foods girl. I try to go to Aldi's. And I should go to the farmer's market more, like you said, because one on Commercial Street that we have here, if you shop with food stamps, they give you basically pay you back the money. And yes. I forgot you said that now. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah. there's alternatives. And there's some folks that just like David, when he's raising his sweet corn, they put their heart and soul and literally sweat into bringing that stuff into the market for you. And I am not going to start the conversation about organic versus GMO, et cetera. That's a whole different day and a different topic. But the bottom line is it's garden fresh produce. Yeah. It's no different than what you bought on the shelf in the supermarket. You just might have to rinse it off and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it, what's funny is uh, selling sweet corn this year, we did something we've never done before. So we, Typically, we go out and sell, and if we find some with worms or find some that don't quite meet our standards, 
we toss it aside. We take it home. And uh, my wife makes uh, cream corn out of it, mm-hmm. whole, whole kernel corn. And we put it in the freezer. And, you know, with different kids, you know, they all want some. So it, uh, it works out well, right? I think one time this year when she was out selling, did she come home with some rejected corn because she was selling the good stuff for the set price and then stuff that wasn't quite as good. You know, we had different levels of paying this year, which we've never done before. It's either you take this in a dozen size or a half dozen size for this price or you don't get anything, right? And uh, this year we had one price for the best stuff. We had another price for the stuff that wasn't quite as good. And then we still had rejects that we're throwing aside. And people came and bought the rejected stuff. You know, stuff that we would never, ever be able to sell in past years. They're just like, can I take that? Can I take that? It's like, it's rejected stuff. It's made with many by grasshoppers or some other things, you know, it's yeah. not perfect corn. You'll have to chop some off or whatever. And they're like, we don't care. It's uh, fresh corn. Now, uh, one other thing, I think there's a different perspective that we can take this from. And for those of us who garden or someone like yourself raising sweet corn, and we have extra because you're talking to someone who, it's a long story, but let's just say I wound up with way more green beans all at one time and literally took three paper grocery sacks of green beans to my local food pantry. There are, when we have those times of excess, let's not forget to help someone else out because I know there's lots of other people who don't have the yard space that I do to raise my own garden. And rather than let any of it go to waste, I can take it down the street to some friends and neighbors. I can certainly share it with others who don't have access to it. And that's probably a good spot for many of us to remember. Um, yeah. And when and if we're at the grocery store, there's always a bin there asking for some donations to the food pantry. Put a box of cereal in, a can yeah. of soup. Doesn't have to be a lot. We uh, we we have a corner almost every year, and this year was looking kind of sketchy whether we would have one or not. And usually during the corner is at the end of the season, and. Uh, so we tell all the people that come to the corn roast, yeah, you can go through the garden and take whatever you want. So some, probably some of the parents don't always like us because, you know, the kid will come home with this zucchini that's like a foot and a half long. <laughs> they're like, love those kids. They're like, take it, take it, have fun with it. The kids think it's it's great, you know, and they run through the corn stalks. And, you know, can I have this? Yeah, go ahead. It's all it's all for the taking. So. We haven't had the corner roast yet this year, but that's, well, actually at the time this, when this podcast comes out, the corner roast will be over and done with. So, Excellent. So what do we remember? Remember, be patient. Be thankful. Share with others. Mm-hmm. Share with others. Be thankful. Yep. Donate um, to others that aren't so fortunate. So, There's a point that I want to bring up, and I think there's no doubt when I talk about it, I bring it from the rural and farm point of view, but I think it matters for everyone, and that is this. Right now, in our rural areas, especially with our ranchers, farm stress is at its highest point that it has been in 35 years. 
we actually have seen an increase on the hotlines and I even have all the hotline information like for the state of North Dakota. Um, I'm involved with an ag group that runs a Snapchat account on agriculture. And the week that I hosted the most screenshot information I have ever had on that group was the day that I posted the mental health awareness hotlines for our tri-state region. People took that number. I can tell you that several elevators are now training their grain merchandisers to look for signs of stress in their growers. And also several ag lending banks have also started to do that too. And there's four points on how to help someone who might be in crisis. The first is ask them how they are and mean it. Keep it brief, just minimal engagement. Use supportive words, encourage them to talk and then shut up and listen. Just let them talk. Normalize their statements, share statements to help remove the stigma that they might want to seek help or be asking you for help and ask open-ended questions if at all possible. Those are things that I shared with uh, the North Dakota Ag Teachers Association here a couple weeks ago. Teachers are trained to watch for stress in kids. What they are currently seeing, especially in small schools, is kids coming to school and they are carrying the stress from their parents because things might not be so good at home based on what's happening in the current economy. So look for it in the kids, look for it in the producers, look for it in each other. There's no doubt that whether it's the server who's just overrun and busy to the guy trying to fill the store shelves at the grocery store and you didn't get your favorite laundry detergent, to the dude who's driving the truck that got delayed by no means of his own, everyone has a lot of stress right now. And the most important thing we can do is recognize that in others and be good to them. Yeah. What final thoughts do you have for us, VIP? Um, I was thinking about maybe people going to the community gardens as well. Since I don't know how many of them are open, but there are community gardens around here. And I know what, like the Victory Mission is actually having a Victory Garden with... Uh, or to give the food drives. So just remember to reach out and look around your community. Sometimes there's a lot of help around you if you just look and ask. Yeah, we good ideas there. We're gonna we're gonna put some information on the show notes about mental health awareness, and uh, on the video, I will add that onto a screen as well. And um, so people can either, so people can see it right away. And it's, uh, there's a slogan that's out there. We're all in this together. And we are, we are all in this together. And uh, we need to remember that and do what we can to help each other out because in helping somebody else, that helps us as well. So thank you very much for, uh, watching and listening. So Bridget, you can close us out. As always, we are so glad to have you folks listen to us. Send your comments. This is a conversation that I think many of you are having and you probably have some feedback. We'd like to hear it. You guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Alrighty.